He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. What a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, February 26, 2022. This episode 85 titled Jake K. Colorado Hero. Wait till you hear the story of Jake K., a game warden. He's a peace officer. He works for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And he has the feel-good story of the Colorado winter. Seems a moose fell through a window well into a basement in Breckenridge, and J.K. came to the rescue. Here's the way Channel 4 described this story. Now covering Colorado and Summit County, wildlife officers and police have quite the story to tell after rescuing a moose from a basement in Breckenridge. Talk about a heavy lift, huh? Our Mountain Newsroom reporter, Spencer Wilson, is on this story for us tonight. So, Spencer, crews are pretty sure that this moose did end up there by accident. Yeah, Karen and Jim Parks and Wildlife believe that that moose was just munching on some willow and then accidentally stepped on a snow-covered window well, slipped into there, then slipped all the way in through that window into the basement. The cleaning crew was the first to notice this giant wild animal lurking in the basement and all of the destruction too. Fell on a couch and there were holes in the walls from where his hooves had hit, um, where his antlers were scratching the walls and of course all the, the moose poop that comes along with it. They try to get the moose to leave on its own by opening all of the doors and trying to spook it, but the moose won't go up the stairs. A moose is gonna do what a moose is gonna do. Keep pulling up there. But when all else failed, they used a tranquilizer to put the moose to sleep, then started the long, arduous process of rolling it onto a tarp, then dragging it up the stairwell. It was kind of just step by step, and we were actually really lucky because the staircase was somewhat wider than others, and it didn't have any 90-degree turns. It was kind of just a spiral up. They did have to trim the antlers, but moose naturally lose their antlers around this time anyway. Finally, they get the estimated 1,000-pound moose outside and wake him back up. And it probably just thought it had some crazy nightmare. The other moose are probably not going to believe its story. The moose is fine, minus a cut on its leg. The basement, less fine. The homeowner will have to get a new ping-pong table. But they did end up with some new decorations for when they rebuild. The antlers of their unintentional visitor left under their Christmas tree. The police told me it took around 10 or so people to lug that moose all the way up that spiral staircase. In the meantime, Parks and Wildlife says if you do have any vegetation near a window well in the forest where a moose might be, or maybe an elk or a deer, consider trimming that so we don't have the same kind of issue anytime in the future nearby. Live in Breckenridge, Spencer Wilson covering Colorado first. So many things to think about, right? <laughs> Who incredible. knew? Great uh, job by those yeah. crews. I would have huh? never guessed. <laughs> no, Spencer, thanks so much. Yeah, and, uh, Go ahead. I was just I was worried about the chiropractor for those guys. They're going to be pulling that thing up the stair, and they said it was really, really heavy the whole way. Yeah, that was incredible. Great video. Thanks so much. Well, we were fortunate enough to get a hold of J.K., and then 
after a while, we finally got Colorado Parks and Wildlife permission to play the interview of this Colorado moose rescuing hero. Now, a lot is going on in the world. Well aware of that. And I'm worked up about the invasion of Ukraine. And we talk about that with our troubadour, Dave Gunders, who has the perfect song called Every Little Problem. And boy, did they have a problem in Breckenridge. And boy, do we have a problem with Vladimir Putin. And I address it as well in Right Wing Media Watch, which comes up after the two-part Jake K. interview. The second part reveals a surprise ending. I wonder if you see the twist before you hear it. But this is entertaining. This is the feel-good story of Colorado's winter. It's the Moose Rescue. Thanks for listening. Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show. But more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer. And I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, You know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who Who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep. And I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887. Or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey. Thank you. I've been fighting for Colorado crime victims for the last four decades. There's a great new Colorado law. It allows victims as far back as January 1, 1960 to hold accountable the perpetrators and the organizations that allowed it to happen. If you were sexually assaulted, now is the time to come forward. Call me anytime you are ready at 303-861-2800. Ask for Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Hello. Hi, is this Jacob K? Yes, it is. Good morning. Good morning. I really wanted an opportunity to speak with you. Thanks for giving us the chance. It's not every day we have a feel-good story, let alone in Colorado, but you are part of an amazing experience on Monday in Breckenridge. 
First of all, could you introduce yourself, maybe give a little bit of a bio and tell us what you do for a living that made you part of this feel-good story? Yeah, sure. So my name is Jacob K. I go by Jake. I'm a district wildlife manager with uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Most folks know us as game wardens, um, but we do a lot of things. We we do education, um, be it hunter education or naturalist programs, things like that. Uh, we also do help out with research and do you know biological monitoring surveys, things like that. And then we do law enforcement. That's kind of more traditionally what people probably think of us in that in that classic game warden fashion. So checking fishing licenses, hunting licenses, things like that. Um, but we also respond to a lot of wildlife, uh, as we call it, conflict. Um, but just any kind of issue with wildlife, we're, we're typically the ones um, who end up getting the call and, and trying to help out. Wow. What an interesting job. That law enforcement part, do you have a badge? Do you carry a weapon? Yep, we do. We do. And we, you know, are mostly dealing with wildlife related uh, law enforcement. But certainly when the call comes in, we, you know, we we help out where we can. Um, Some of our officers have helped out with some of the active shooter situations um, on the front range. I mean, we, we go where we're needed. So. Well, how cool is that? And it's under the auspices of Colorado Parks and Wildlife? Right, which is under the Department of Natural Resources. And so what kind of educational background do you have? What's required to get a cool job like yours? So to, to be a district wildlife manager, you need to have an undergraduate degree in some form of biology I couldn't tell you exactly what it is. Most of us have a degree in wildlife biology or, or some form of that. Some universities have, have different names for the degree. Um, but yeah, that's that's typically the, the general requirement. Um, and then most folks who end up in this position have done a lot of field work, seasonal positions, um, doing wildlife stuff, and um, specifically with CPW, some of the temp positions, and, and work your way up. So tell us about your wild life experience how did you become an an expert on wildlife and do you consider yourself a moose expert ha um well yeah do i consider myself a moose expert no do i have experience dealing with them yes i mean i don't think anyone is a moose expert because they're pretty unpredictable like all wildlife but yeah you, you can kind of figure them out and um, at least start to predict how they behave and the things they do. And of course, there's a lot of research on there about where they go, what they eat, et cetera. Uh, but me personally, yeah, I, did, I had an undergraduate degree in wildlife biology from CSU. And then I got my master's in wildlife biology down in New Mexico. Um, and I was kind of more on the um, strictly biologist side. But this job, as I was describing before, it's, it's really multifaceted. It's a lot of fun. Every day is different. Um, so I decided to switch paths a little bit and I still get to do a lot of cool, um, biological research and help out on projects. So it's kind of the, the best of all worlds. Well, the audience knows this story. I played the channel four piece where you had your role and I thought you did a great job and that's why I wanted to have you on. But really the star of this show was the moose. Am I right? Yeah, I'd say so. He, uh. He got himself into some trouble there. Um, Tell everybody this story from your perspective. From I'm going to play the old prosecutor I am. Officer, could you tell us when you got alerted to the situation and how you 
reacted? Sure. So I believe it was around 3.30 in the afternoon. And actually my coworker, I, I work in Summit County um, mostly. And my coworker in Grand County, who was, I believe he was on call, got got the call about a moose in a basement. And so it, it it's a rental house or a kind of some sort of Airbnb vacation house. And a group had left that was staying there. And when the cleaning crew came in, as they started moving through the house, they went down to the basement. And sure enough, there was a moose standing there. So my coworker got this call. We didn't really know how it gotten in the basement. But we assumed it was either someone left a door open or potentially a, a window well incident. Um, so anyways, we, we started rallying the team um, and Breckenridge Police Department was first on scene. And I called them as I was driving up and said, hey, can we open the doors, leave, you know, give this moose a chance to get out of the house on its own. Um, the problem was, is being in the basement had to go upstairs on its own. And you can imagine most wild animals don't typically deal with stairs or anything like that. So it was probably pretty intimidated, intimidated by a narrow corridor and having to go upstairs. But anyways, we opened the door to the basement. We opened the, the doors to outside, hoping it would go. Um, it didn't. By the time I got there, the moose was just hanging out. So we tried to haze it a little bit, hoping we could get it to run up the stairs. Um, but in doing so, we, we got it to move around, but we couldn't really get it to go up the stairs. So we knew we were probably going to have to resort to to darting the moose and anesthetizing it and then dragging it up the stairs, which, as you can imagine, is a, a pretty hefty task. Um, so anyways, we uh, we got everything ready. Um, we assembled a, a great team of a few of us wildlife officers and another one of our employees, as well as police department, local fire, and EMS. And we we darted the moose. Uh, it went down pretty peacefully in the basement in a really good spot. Um, we slipped. We have this transport tarp because we do have to do this a lot. Not in this exact situation, but we have to move animals. Um, so, yeah, we got the moose rolled over on this tarp, which has a bunch of handles. We looped a toe strap through some of those so we could have people at the top of the stairs pull in. And um, yeah, together, step by step, we did a series of one, two, three, go, one, two, three, go. And we just went step by step up the stairs through the house until um, we could get it outside in a safe spot. Uh, we assessed it for injuries, make sure the whole time it's breathing well and um, doing good. And uh, we can reverse the anesthetizing drugs, which is pretty neat. Um, so we gave it the reversal drug and, uh, you know, it, it popped up after about 10 minutes and then was a little groggy. It laid back down and with a little incentive, it, it got back up again. And then it started foraging on, on some willows nearby and all was good. So yeah, that's in a nutshell what happened. That might be the greatest story ever told. I mean, and you did it so (laughs) concisely, but I have a few questions. If I could go back. You said it was a window well incident. Are you familiar with those? Is that common in your work? So not super common. Since 2019, we've had three of these happen. Um, and I this was my first window well incident. Luckily, two of my my coworkers that were there had dealt with this before. So they were huge in helping. I mean, it was this whole thing was a great team effort. I can't take credit. Uh, it was all of us working together to figure this out. But anyways... Yeah, it's, it typically happens after a big snow. You can imagine some of those window wells are kind of covered up by snow, so the moose or whatever animal can't quite tell it's there. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's kind of a gnarly situation in that you could imagine a moose. They're not 
meant to crawl into places like let's say a bear or a lion or you know even your house cat something like that so while we didn't witness it it looked pretty traumatic you could just imagine a moose falling headfirst into a window well and then having to kind of navigate through a window to get into the basement so when we first got there we went around to all the window wells and it was actually the last one we checked where we found the carnage um, and it looked way worse than it was. You know, there was a lot of hair on the frame of the window well, uh, broken glass, a little bit of blood. But again, that's a thousand pound animal falling through and breaking through the glass. So it, it it caused a little bit of damage and looked pretty bad. But all in all, the moose was in great shape. Because a moose has protection as it goes head first. And you told a great story, but how can you talk about a moose without talking about the antlers? How, how yeah. did the antlers get through the window well? Well, it was so it was a pretty wide window well and pretty deep. I, I would guess because I stood in it, maybe it was six to seven feet tall. Um, and then the window at the bottom was was very wide. So that was actually pretty lucky because had this moose still been stuck in the window well when we got there, um, that would have been a lot harder to deal with. Plus, then this moose is going to be very stressed. It's going to be, you know, all its vital rates are going to be skyrocketed. Um, and just a better chance of, of things going wrong. Um, but yeah, the antlers may, are maybe what helped it bust through the window when it fell in there. Um, and yeah, I think I did leave out the part that we, we did cut up. We brought in a sawzall, an electric saw to cut off its antlers. And um, we did that because it's hard enough to drag a moose up a stairwell, let alone when you're dealing with huge um, antlers sticking out to the side. But the cool thing about that is this is the time of year where moose shed their antlers. They shed their antlers every year. Um, some of them have already lost it. So we're kind of just doing them a favor and giving them a equivalent of a, a haircut, you could say. Oh, my goodness. Let's go back to the hazing. How do you haze a moose? And I think I would be good at that, but I'm just imagining. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe I... You know, there's not really one specific thing you can do. Um, but what we tried is just flashing our lights at it, banging on the wall at first. And then something that we've used in the past is we'll use our tasers and we won't actually shock the animal at all. Um, but the noise of the taser going off works really well. Like when we've had to move moose out of people's front yards, just um, making that electric shock noise with our tasers and then at night, having the little laser beams that stick out, that that tends to get moose to move. And so that's what we also did as well. And that that actually worked pretty well to get the moose kind of moving around. And again, just to reiterate, we weren't at all shocking or tasing the moose, but that noise really gets them. <laughs> Any name called? Yeah. Hey, we, you we know what? The moose, You're but... a dork. Get out of here. Or... <laughs> How about, no. did anybody think of playing that 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS commercial? I mean. That's a good way to get, get a moose to charge you, for sure. Oh, no. It were, sure. You had to be worried about that. A little bit. We were being safe. Um, I mean, it certainly, the moose got agitated and it, it made a couple runs around, but we were in pretty good spots where we felt we could escape if needed. We weren't, you know, right next to the moose. So um, we were doing it as safe as we could, yeah. But but unfortunately, yeah, we couldn't really get it to rally and, and go up the stairs. It was kind of a Hail Mary, but we've, we'd always like to get it to leave on its own before we, you know, anesthetize it. An and could, could, was one possibility the moose going up the stairs on its own? 
Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what we were hoping for because it couldn't get back out the window. Well, that would be pretty impossible. Um, but if it did make its way upstairs, then yeah, we had three open doors waiting for it. Um, but again, think about how unnatural a narrow stairwell is to a moose, right? They're not going to want to probably go up that. So it was definitely a long shot. Right. And he probably thought it was a trap. I don't know. Are moose intelligent? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's a relative question, but I'd say moose are fairly intelligent. Um, they're really aware and, uh, you know, they've adapted over time to live where they do and, and, you know, they're, yeah, they're a smart animal. That's why they, they seem to do so well. They find their niche and, um, you know, it appears we have a growing population where we live in Summit County. And, uh, so yeah, fairly intelligent. Right. And that niche is not in somebody's basement in Breckenridge. Now, the sozzle, what is a sozzle? I've never heard that term before. Yeah, it's kind of like a portable electric saw, um, makes quick work of antlers. So um, you can saw it off at the base of the antler uh, and the moose doesn't feel a thing. Um, and yeah, it's it's a huge time saver. And for us, I mean, it would have been really hard to get that moose up the stairs with its antler still on. So um, yeah, it's kind of a no brainer once we started trying to pull up and it wasn't the hugest bull moose. So originally I'm thinking maybe we could keep the antlers on, but as soon as we tried to get up the stairs, there was, there was no way. All right. Now we know the pronoun to use. You said it's previously, and that might be out of respect for the moose. Who knows about pronouns these days, but it was a bull moose. It was a, a male, right? Yep. It was a bull moose, a male moose. And a female moose is a cow moose, right? Exactly. Yep. You, can you call her a cow to her face? Or I would never do that. That's, yeah, again, asking to get charged. Right. And that's the last thing you want. We're going to get to moose safety protocol, but I still need to go back to the basement. You said somebody darted the uh, moose, the male moose, the bull moose, and um, I'm sure that means a tranquilizer, but how is that actually done? And I'd like to know who did the darting, who did the sawzall? So I did the darting and the sawzall, and that's simply because I, I was the closest. So I had my drug kit and my, my dart gun closest to me. But any one of us who works for CPW, we're all trained. We all have experience. So I just happened to, to be the close, closest officer that lived in the area. Um, but yeah, I, I crawled into the window well. Um, and I think it was probably about a 10-yard shot. And we had um, some folks, some of our fellers, fellow CPW employees at the top of the stairwell and they, they dangled that toe strap down to kind of distract the moose. Cause we, we really want to take a good shot. We don't want to take a frontal shot or a rear shot. We want to get into one of the big muscle masses, either the front shoulder or, or the rump. Um, so we had to kind of manipulate that toe rope to get the moose distracted to turn the right way. But once I got a perpendicular um, angle to it, it was pretty easy, just 10 yard shot right into its butt. Um, and yeah, our drugs take effect pretty quick. So I think, you know, within five minutes or so, it was pretty wobbly. Uh, and then probably around 10 minutes or so, it kind of just sat down and then rolled on its side. And then shortly after was was pretty well out. So um, yeah, that's that's how the darting worked. It, it I mean, all things considered, it, it was pretty smooth. Easy for you to say, way to go. What a great shot. But did the moose shoot you a look? when he felt that in his butt or did he know what hit him 
So the moment I saw the dart hit, I called out dart and then I scrambled up the ladder to get out of that window. Well, just cause you never know. Um, I wasn't trying to take any chances. And typically when you do anything to harass a moose, it's first thing is to put its ears back and, and charge. And it already done that a little bit when we tried to haze it earlier. So the moment I made sure that dart was in, I was hauling butt out of that window well. So I didn't see much after that until I, yeah, until a little bit later. Who had the tarp? And how do you get trained on this as part of your education? Yeah, I mean, we all, anyone who's a district wildlife manager spent pretty much a whole year of training for this job um, before you even get out on the district. Um, and so, yeah, we all practice, work on it, and then inevitably, any given year, you know, we're, we're using those skills. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Kind of just standard stuff. And I mean, a lot of it is in this case was more just brute force. That's why I was so great that we were lucky enough to have, um, EMS fire and police department helping us out. Cause there was no way just the, the us CPW guys could have done it on our own. Well, this is fantastic. And how long did it take the moose to recover and stand up? Yeah, so I think if I remember correctly, it was roughly about 10 minutes after we reversed it. Um, so gave it the reversal drug that it first stood up. And how do you um, administer that? Uh, same way, it's intramuscular shot. So same way that dart goes into a big uh, kind of massive muscle, we do the same thing. We just hand inject it rather than a dart because it's anesthetized at that Who point. Who did so that? Basically, um, I think I did as well. Typically, wow, we'll have one, one officer. Not, not at all. Okay, no, but I mean nope. that you didn't have to run after that one because the moose no. was still out. Luckily, the moose is out. Yeah, and and typically when we have one person in charge of the drugs, because it's just easier. Because you know you got to measure all the dosages and make sure you know where the needles are. So again, any one of us could have been that guy. I just it just happened to be me that day. So right, but how many people were there helping you? Because. I expect a lot of first responders and they deal with so many tragedies. It had to feel good with such a success. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think numbers wise, there was four of us from CPW and uh, I think a couple guys from Breck PD, someone from Blue River PD, which is just down the road and then uh, fire and EMS. I, I would guess we were probably 12 of us total, maybe even more. Um, so yeah, it was a huge group effort and that one two three heave ho was that you calling that out uh switching off i think a couple of us were taking turns you know once someone was out of breath too much or their back was hurt another person would would pick it up so what's the toughest part toward the top or toward the bottom when you're dragging a moose up the stairs Oh, I think it just depends where you're at. If you're at the back of the tarp, the front of the tarp. Um, I mean, the whole thing was pretty difficult. It was definitely, a, yeah, it was a, it's just an awkward situation. You know, it's one thing to pull that much weight if you're out on an open field, but yeah, trying to wrap around a stairway. It's, I think no matter where you are and what part of the staircase, it's, it's tough. And it looked like sort of a circular staircase. There's an amazing photograph somebody took of that moose. Uh, in the basement who took that picture um the one i've seen i think circulated around was mine i know a lot of the good video and stuff after was all i think my coworker. um yeah the the guys who took video did an awesome job because i know i i tend to forget about that while we're moving but yeah some people got great footage 
so I'm imagining a whole crowd waiting for the moose to wake up, hopefully, right? And uh, that had to be sort of a nice, interesting time, anticipating the best and having it fulfilled. Yeah, absolutely. You know, once we reversed the moose, we kind of all backed off and we left the moose a good uh, escape route. So it wasn't going to wake up and feel flustered. And, uh, you know, we're all a little nervous when you give the reversal just because you never know how long it's going to take or, you know, how the moose is going to react. But, um, yeah, once he kind of started twitching his ears, people, I think, start to feel good, like, okay, he's waking up. And then, um, and I think in the end, once he started, you know, eating again, it, it, yeah, it's awesome to see. Absolutely. And it's a happy ending. And the nice thing about Moose, and I've watched your video, Officer K, you made one for Summit County, for Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and I learned more from you about Moose. I'm going to post, with your permission, that CPW talk. And uh, there's a lot of troubles in the world, but right now the Moose population, it's doing pretty good. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, we haven't tracked specific growth rates, but just on a lot of anecdotal observations, some surveys um, looking at uh, success, harvest success, and also just looking at the incidents we have, um, certainly seems like moose are doing really well. And we, I mean, we have a great, we have great habitat for moose here in Summit County, as well as uh, Grand County to the north of us, which is also part of our uh, area, we call it, um, at least that we work in. So yeah, it's a, it's a great spot for moose. Um, people typically do pretty well about tolerating them and uh, being smart around moose and uh, coexisting. I did not realize until I watched your CPW video, Officer K, that moose were not necessarily native to Colorado. They had to be introduced. Tell us that story. Yeah, again, it was a little bit before my time, but yeah, there there was definitely probably some moose in Colorado, specifically northern Colorado, but um, probably not as abundant as further north, such as Wyoming, um, Montana, and of course, going up to Canada, et cetera. But so in the late 70s, we first reintroduced um, some moose into North Park in the Walden area. Um, and then we also reintroduced moose about 10 years-ish later um, in the Laramie River Valley. Then we went down to Southwest Colorado in the early 90s, put some moose down there in the San Juans. And then uh, we put some other moose, I think it was in the mid 2000, what, 2005-ish on the Grand Mesa. Um, and then most recently in the White River Forest in Eagle County, uh, 2009, 2010, we, we put some moose there. But all those moose have since expanded um, a lot. So we, we have a large continuous tract of um, a moose population and moose occupancy throughout the mountains of Colorado, and, and they're doing pretty well. What makes for great moose habitat? Well, typically they like colder weather. They have pretty low heat tolerances. So a lot of times those high, more high altitude elevation is they like, um, you know, they're, they're pretty well suited for snow with their long legs. They can kind of stay up top. Um, whereas a lot of times we post all up, you know, to our shoulders and they love, you know, their name actually came, uh, means twig eater uh, in Algonquin. So it's, they love shrubs. Uh, you know, they, they do eat a lot of things, but the classic forage that you'll see them eat is willows. You see them in those riparian areas. So areas where there's water flowing through. A lot of times you see 
big um, areas of willows and aspens. Um, they like that habit that habitat too, and and they actually will spend more time than we even know um, in thick conifer forest. So when you look at a place like Summit County, we have all things. We have typically, relatively speaking, low temperatures. Uh, we have a lot of great riparian areas with good uh, browse, so the thick shrubby stuff that they love to eat. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of essentially what I'd say makes up good moose habitat. You know, they wouldn't do as well in warm places like, let's say, Denver, although I know some have made it kind of down that way. Um, and that's why you don't see them as much in the, in the warmer states, too, you know. And maybe that's why they're thriving, because the places they like to live aren't necessarily inhabitable by humans. Yeah, I mean, definitely some of the best moose habitat is areas where we are not. Well, it's fascinating. I think you are a bit of a moose expert. And uh, even though they like the higher climbs, we are climbing higher and looking for space. And I've seen a moose a time or two on the roads. It's fascinating. But uh, people should avoid the instinct to interact with the moose. Tell everybody about that. It's an important safety message that I know you and the state of Colorado want to put out there. Yeah, sure. I mean, moose moose can be dangerous. Not to say you need to walk around terrified of them, but certainly we have a lot of incidents with them, and it's it usually revolves around people getting too close, wanting to get photos or just get a closer look. Um, and also people with dogs. And I mean, I'm I've got dogs myself. I, there's nothing wrong with getting your dog out, but you know, moose have evolved with wolves as really their only natural predator. And so when they see a dog or hear a dog barking. Um, they react as if it was a wolf and typically their defense isn't to run away. It's to stand their ground um, and even charge that animal and stomp it um, until it goes away or, or dies. Um, so what we often see, especially up in Summit County is folks go out with their dogs, a dog chases a moose, the moose chases the, the dog back to the owner and then the owner pays the price so big things while you're out there is if you see a moose and you have your dog, make sure it's on leash. Um, and if your dog is barking or making noise, probably just get out of there because moose can react when they, they hear that dog barking. Um, but just keep a safe distance. Uh, we have our rule of thumb where, you know, if, if you can cover up that animal with your thumb, with your arm fully extended, then you're at a good distance. But if you can't, then you're too close. Um, so really when you see a moose and maybe you'll see the crowds getting closer, don't be that person. And if you can tell folks, Hey, you know, get back and, uh, give that moose space because the closer you get, the more likely they are to become aggressive charge. And then the really sad thing is if a moose does get into trouble by stomping a human being, oftentimes we have to, to euthanize that moose because once a, a moose learns that, Hey, if I stomp this human being, the trouble goes away, right? They stop harassing me. They learn that they might do it again. And of course, it's our obligation to keep people safe from wildlife as best we can. So realistically, the best thing we can do is give moose space, try and avoid um, incidents and uh, coexist. What about food? Is it wise to feed a moose? Never, never, never. And, you know, up here, we don't have a huge growing season, but if you don't want to deal with moose in your yard. I mean, think about what they're going to want to eat. Right. And, uh, especially in winter, which is typically when we see them come more into town and in people's yards, um, any kind of shrubbery or 
you know, ornamental trees might be a really good treat for a moose. So as much as we all might like some of the, the plants in our garden or in our yard, know that that's naturally going to attract moose as well as deer, elk, things like that. Um, but certainly never intentionally feed a moose. That's just asking for trouble. Um, you would never want to get that close. And if you put food out intentionally to attract them and they come into uh, areas with more humans, inevitably we'll have conflict and uh, it's going to lead to someone getting trampled and potentially a, a moose that needs to get euthanized. So yeah, let's avoid that at all costs. No need to feed moose. They do just fine on their own. I like to go up to Waterton Canyon and I encounter the mountain goats, uh, the rams. Uh, do they occupy the same territory as moose? So I, are you, you might be thinking of bighorn sheep Bighorn down there. sheep shows what I know about wildlife, right? Bighorn no, that's sheep. okay. Easy to, to mix those two up sometimes. Mountain um, goats, way to go, Craig. Yeah, bighorn sheep. <laughs> yeah, so bighorn sheep are pretty neat. Like you see them in places like that. And then you also see them, you know, at 12,500 feet in the middle of winter on a scoured ridge. Um, so th they are all over the place. A lot of the times they don't quite overlap because they don't spend as much time in some of the thicker riparian areas and the thicker uh, conifer forests. But certainly they can and do overlap. I guess I'm thinking about riding my bicycle and then I turn a corner and there are those... Uh... Big horn sheep, and they have big horns, and they occasionally bud heads, sort of like moose do too. And I don't know whether to ride around them or go back the other way. And normally, I figure they're pretty tame. There are a lot of people here; they are used to humans. Same in Estes Park. I've played golf there with elk all over the place, and they seem to understand humans and interact. Is a moose like that, or is it different? Um, the same and different all at the same time. So certainly some animals are more habituated than others, but we still want to give them a wide berth. And what you brought up is actually a really good point. So thanks. Cause a lot of instances we have are when people are riding their bikes or snowmobiling on a trail and they run into a moose and instead of turning around or finding a different way to go or to spend the rest of the day, they'll try and push it. They'll try and squeeze by that moose or haze that moose off the trail and with a moose, that is always a bad idea. I mean, you may get away with it, but you also may end up getting stomped, and there's videos to prove that. Um, so what I would say is moose are definitely a little bit more stubborn, um, more aggressive, less likely to run away than some other critters. But in general, whether it's sheep or moose, give them a wide berth. If you can, try and find a different route, or maybe it's just time to turn around. Um, but yeah, give them space, never push it. Even if they seem habituated, I mean, I think there's a <laughs> videos of, uh, you know, elk popping people's tires and stuff, you know, in Estes park and things like that. So you just never know with wildlife, they're unpredictable. And the best thing we can do is just give them space. Well, I enjoy the work that your organization does. I listen to, uh, governor Polis, his state of the state always mentions, CPW, the state park system. Seems like you guys are doing a great job. You're making it more affordable. Uh, tell us about your organization uh, before we go, because I think CPW has really uh, done a great job lately, but you work for them. Tell us about CPW. Yeah, I mean, some of that stuff you're talking about is certainly above my pay grade. Um, and 
you know, big organizational missions and things like that. But yeah, I think we're a great agency. You know, we, we do our best to conserve wildlife and provide opportunities for people to enjoy outdoor recreation and some of the best places in Colorado. Um, it's pretty multifaceted agency. I couldn't even begin to tell you all the different departments and groups and um, working projects and everything else going on. But yeah, we're doing our best to conserve wildlife and uh, make smart management decisions based on uh, sound research. And also, like I said, provide a lot of recreation opportunity. So. Well, I think you are a moose expert. We have just a little more to say on the interview, but is there anything else you would like to say on behalf of your organization with respect to this incident or moose safety in general? Yeah, I mean, I think for this specifically, it's pretty rare for a moose to fall into a window well, but certainly keep shrubs and other things moose like to eat away from the window well. In this case, we know that, you know, the moose was eating pretty much right before it fell. Um, and, you know, no fault to the owner. It's, it would have been tough to ever imagine that would happen. But certainly keeping forage away from the window well itself is going to help, as well as uh, shoveling snow around it so it's pretty visible. Um, and just the biggest thing to know is if you ever end up in a situation with a moose or any other big animal in your house or around it, is call us. Um, you know, don't, don't try and handle on your own if you don't feel comfortable. We're always happy to help. We always have an on-call officer that can answer and, you know, if nothing else work through it over the phone, but yeah, don't hesitate to reach out to CPW and um, we'll do our best. And that's really cool. You have an on-call system. I used to be an on-call homicide deputy uh, when I was a prosecutor in Denver. So there's one guy in an area who gets emergency calls 24-7? Yep. We always have someone in any any area that's on call. So you can always reach someone that should be within range to respond. And what's the number? Do you know? So it varies in our area. We go through CSP dispatch um, and typically you could call any dispatch or 911 and they can make the phone calls to connect. So even if you did dial 911, um, they can ultimately get you connected to where you need to go. Like if you have a moose in the basement, just call 911. You don't have to memorize anything else. I've got a moose in the basement. Yeah, hopefully it won't happen. But if you do, yeah, certainly can get a hold of us. Well, this is just a fantastic story. There's a little more, and it's really, to me, another great feel-good part of this story. And we will be right back. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. <laughs> now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at MBLaw LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. 
Hey, maybe you know my voice and me from the first half of my career when I was Denver prosecutor. Or maybe you know me from my time on the radio and now on my podcast. But my real job for several decades now has been to fight in the civil arena for victims of crimes. I've been fighting for Colorado crime victims for the last four decades. If your life has been damaged through the misconduct of others, there's a great new Colorado law, and it's for you. It allows victims as far back as January 1, 1960 to hold accountable the perpetrators and the organizations that allowed it to happen. If you were sexually assaulted, now is the time to come forward. Let's expose the truth. Let's get you some justice. Let me be your voice for a confidential consultation. Call me anytime you are ready at 303-861-2800. Ask for Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Hello. What's up, Jake? Hey, hey! now it's the rest of the story. This is the really feel-good part, because I'm like the rest of the people in Colorado. We heard this feel-good story. A moose rescued after busting through a window wall. Little did I know until my sister sent me the Channel 4 story. That was my nephew, Jacob K. Way to go. (laughs) Way to go. Holy cow. You are a hero, a moose hero. Oh, I wouldn't say that, but I appreciate the sentiment, Uncle Craig. Thank you. Let's talk like uncle and nephew, because uh, first of all, you did a great interview, and uh, I'm proud of you, proud of your organization, proud to pay tax money to support such things, but let's learn a little more about your life. Uh, I think your love of animals comes from your two great parents who are both uh, board-certified internists in the field of veterinary medicine. Great vets, both of them, Alan, Nancy. So isn't that where your love of animals comes from? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we always had all animals around the house, and we were always going outside looking for critters, so certainly, no doubt about it. Well, your dad's from the East Coast, your mom is from Colorado, but you are a California boy. That's where they settled to have their great veterinary practice. How was it you were drawn back somehow, even though you didn't grow up here to Colorado? I mean, uh, Uncle Craig was probably all those trips we took out to to visit you guys as kids, you know, just seeing the mountains in the background and going and doing little side excursions. I mean, I knew it was always a place that I thought was gorgeous. And then I think I think one trip, my dad and I um, went off and did some fly fishing in Rocky Mountain National Park. And um, I think we may have even stayed up there a few days, but that that sealed the deal, just knowing this is the place I wanted to come back to. And what a dream job you have now. You're living in a house at what altitude? Uh, I think we're at about 10,750 feet, pretty high up right now. Yeah. And you've got one of the coolest dogs in the world. Tell everybody about your puppy. You referenced having a dog yourself. I know you're a dog lover. We all are. And frankly, you got your love of animals through me because I still (laughs) think I'm better with dogs than your mother, but we can fight about that later. Go ahead. Yeah, those are fighting words for sure. Um, Yeah, we actually, so I've got two dogs. We got a, a puppy last year, but so I've got Fisher, my older dog, and then Birdie, our new dog. And, um, yeah, they're just, they're great pups. My, they go ski with me. They mountain bike with me. Um, they're great animals, man. They're, they're mountain dogs through and through. 
And do they know enough to stay away from a moose or do you have to put them on a leash? Yeah, they're pretty good. Um, I've got them trained to to come back with voice commands. And yeah, certainly if we know a moose is in the area, we'll put them on a leash just to, to be sure. Um, you know, we don't let them get anywhere near it. Um, but they're pretty good. They, they recognize big animals, whether it's a bear or anything like that, because we have all, all the critters roaming around our house. So, um, yeah, they're pretty, pretty smart. Well, I have a lot of vivid memories of you and you talk about your trips out to Colorado to see your greatest grandparents in the world, my parents, uh, and they loved you to death, but I loved going to California for your high school football playoff game. I took Benjamin and then the other time I had saw you is when you went through your year-long training. First of all, I didn't realize all there is to be a game warden. What a job, but you go through uh, police academy education, and I'm familiar with that. So you not only know wildlife, you know the laws of the state of Colorado. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's a pretty multifaceted job and a ton of training. Um, we do police academy just like anyone else who would be going to work for a sheriff's department or a local um, police department. So that's kind of the first half of the year. And then the second half is basically the wildlife version of that, where we get more hands-on training with the stuff we're working on the majority of the time. And I was at your graduation. My gosh, the honors bestowed on you, but I'm sure you're with a bunch of great people. I could tell that night. And it's so cool to have you in Colorado. And, um, but you said one thing that just did not ring true to my audience or me when you said you're not a moose expert, and I think you are. And I, I have some more questions for you to uh, kind of establish that. Are you ready? We could try. We'll see. All right. How many layers of fur does a moose have? Uh, I mean, I don't know, I guess, what you're talking about, but they have their guard hairs on top and then the hair below it. Um. Yeah, so the and and those guard hairs on top, that's really what protects, keeps the weather out, things like that. I um, consulted an insane. expert. It's called the internet, and I'm told they have yeah. two layers of fur. Okay, you can redeem yourself. Where is the moose capital of Colorado? Most people say it's Walden, North Park. What do you say? I would say the same. What's the moose capital of Michigan? Uh somewhere in the upper peninsula, I imagine. Is it, uh, like, isn't Marquette a town up there? Internet says Newberry in Lewis County, Upper Peninsula. But I'll give you credit for the Upper Peninsula. What about the moose capital of the world? Siberia somewhere? Hudson Bay, Saskatchewan. Oh, good to know. Where is the best wildlife viewing city or town or spot in Colorado? Evergreen. Evergreen. That's fascinating. So close to Denver, too. Will you see a moose in Evergreen? Mm, there's some, but traditionally, most people see elk, deer, things like that. After you eat. use that tarp to haul away the moose, do you wash it or do you just use it again? Yeah, we, we decontaminate stuff just to make sure there's no transmission of any kind of disease or anything else. So. All right. What is the specific name of the kind of antlers that moose have? I'm guessing you're looking for palmated? I am. And uh, why is it called palmated? It kind of looks like a palm of your hand, whereas deer and elk antlers are more like individual sticks coming together, even though that's a poor description. But 
um, yeah, moose have really wide antlers that kind of resemble their, they're a little bit concave, like the palm of your hand. All right. Now, what is a dewlap? Uh, it's the thing that hangs down from their neck. What purpose does that serve? Not, not a clear one that I could tell you. What about what's your, what's your internet research tell you? Uh, I, I'm, it, it's not that advanced. Cause yeah. you're right there. But there are moose conferences and stuff like that. And yeah. I, I think you're coming pretty close to being a moose expert now. Yeah, very far from it. We, what, um, what about, what family is the moose? Is it related to deer and elk? Uh, yeah, they're in the Cervidae family. So they're the, the biggest member, deer, elk, moose, yeah. What about a reindeer? Are they in that family? I think you're thinking of caribou. Caribou? Yeah. I think I'm I'm thinking of mountain goats. No. Big horned sheep. What about antelopes? Are they part of the same family? No, they're their own they're their own cool creature. So they're not. Why are there antelope in Wyoming but not in Colorado? There are. And technically they're so their name is pronghorn, but they go by antelope. But yeah, they're they're in Colorado as well. Whereabouts? All over. I mean, on the Eastern Plains, you'll see them. North Park uh, has them up there. We even have them in Grand County, just north of me a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, you can find them all over. I mean, they're not as numerous as they are in Wyoming by any means, but we have them. These animals that butt heads with each other, do they get, uh, do they get concussed at all? Uh, which animal? Are you I'm talking about, like about bighorn sheep or moose or elk? Mm. Any of these guys that ram their heads into each other? They injure each other a lot, but it's typically uh, horn or antler to the body. Their heads, I mean, are incredibly thick in the areas where they butt heads. I mean, obviously, they wouldn't be around if every time they crack skulls, one of them died. Um, so they're, yeah, they, it'd be, if you ever, could look at a skull of a bighorn sheep or even a moose it's pretty thick and uh, durable up top so typically their wounds are when someone sneaks in on the side or gets the best of them and pokes into their vital organs you know their chest cavity or their abdominal cavity right but their brains you're telling me are much better protected than say a human brain that will so. suffer a concussion and a whiplash incident in a vehicle that might not happen to uh, a bighorn sheep if it was riding in a truck and got rear-ended. Yeah, I mean, that'd be pure speculation on my part, but I think they'd be less likely to. I think I could qualify you as an expert in moose. What is the plural of moose? Mice. Are you kidding? Is that a joke? Yeah, no, yeah, you call moose moose regardless. Some people will joke around and say mooses, meeses, meese, anything, but... But how can yeah, that be? I mean... Wouldn't it be meese following the goose line of thinking? Potentially. I think it's it's fair game, whatever you want to call it. But I'll say moose, whether it's singular or plural. Now, do you think it's appropriate to give that moose you rescued a name? I don't think so. People get too attached to animals with names, and then inevitably that leads to a lot of attachment. And moose, like any other wild animal, you know, they... They get into trouble, they get hit by cars, they die. And so as much as it's kind of cool to create a connection with the moose, I think oftentimes when we name them and we give them more maybe human characteristics, it just it leads to disappointment and also to more conflict um, later on down the road.
do you think you would recognize that moose if you saw him again? Yeah, and that's actually something I left out, but we did ear tag him just so we would recognize that moose in the future. But what about that cut on his leg? Could you recognize uh, him from that? No, it was pretty minor. That thing will heal up probably in a couple of weeks. Are you going to keep track of this moose, and, and how do you do it? I mean, we're not going to actively keep track of it, but inevitably, typically when people That's what the him, government always says. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I can't comment on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, inevitably people will see moose and see the ear tags and send in photos and questions. So we'll probably through just civilians out on the ground kind of get some observations. But no, I mean, there's no need to track this moose. I mean, it was just fine medically and um, it's in a really good spot to to keep living up there. So in theory, and you know, it learned its lesson and won't wander in any window wells and keep living. Gosh, this is a great story, and it's going to keep on going. We have a big celebration upcoming. I don't know if you want to talk about it or not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I assume you're talking about me getting married. And so, yeah, that is coming up. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. I have a suggestion. I know you were just planning the, the menu and all of that sort of thing. But for dessert, you know what I like? It's What's chocolate. That? Moose. You got it. You know your uncle. Yep. You know your dad humor. I'm on the same page. Jacob K., I'm so darn proud of you. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks, Uncle Craig. No problem. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye now. Hey, if you like this show, please shout it out on your Purple Apple podcast app. It would be so wonderful if you would scroll down, spot that place to leave a five-star review, and your personal review. Kind words appreciated. Thanks so much. Tell your friends. Right Wing Media Watch. Right Wing Media Watch. Welcome to another edition of Right Wing Media Watch. I'm fired up. This Ukraine war, this unprovoked attack on a democratic country, the praise of Putin's actions by the likes of Donald Trump, Peter Boyles, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, they are rooting for the enemy, the enemy of democracy, freedom, etc. And I'm keeping a watch on all of this, I used to interact regularly on the radio with Peter Boyles, and I would take him on. Then he would not have me on when the Ukraine impeachment came up. Nobody would. They wanted to look the other way, just as Donald Trump wanted to call it a perfect call with Volodymyr Zelensky, and I made fun of him week after week. But then Boyles would not have me on. Boyles does not have Corcoran on anymore because there's money involved there, don't you know? Salem getting sued. Randy Corcoran getting sued because they are part of Trump's big lie. And they've got big problems over there, especially now that Peter Boyles is shilling for Vladimir Putin. How predictable. Peter Boyles could give a shit whether Zelensky, the little Jew, running Ukraine gets killed. He's like Laura Ingram. Wow, is she despicable. 
I will say this about Christy Burton Brown, who I've been critical, critical of in the past. At least she had the courage to say who she is. She was the president of FEC. That tells you a lot. Joe Oltman's organization. That's radical. And she had that personhood amendment, which just stated it directly to the Colorado voters. You are a human from the moment of conception. And Colorado said no. But at least she was honest about what she was going for. Other people aren't that honest. Joe Altman occasionally is really honest in stating his intentions, and it's not the kind of America I want to live in. Listen to Joe Altman on his conservative daily podcast. I think this is Heidi Beetle who monitors that and supplies this clip. No, this was Chase Woodruff. Chase Woodruff did it. You know, there are a lot of great people who are standing up to this bullshit. The people who don't want a Putin-like regime, a Trump-like regime in America, because we know what they're going to do to the intelligentsia, the people who tweeted against them or had podcasts against them. And just like in Kiev, they're going to come for those people. But we can't let it get that far, can we? Can we really? Come on now. Because people like Heidi Beetle, Chase Woodruff, there are so many great people. Quentin Young, I could go on and on. But there's a group standing up to this bullshit and monitoring Joe Altman so I don't have to do that. It really hurts my stomach. I'm trying to keep track of Denver Trump Radio and this Putin pal, Peter Boyles. Meanwhile, Chase Woodruff, Heard Joe Altman even flabbergast Max McGuire, his co-host, with his open support of Russia. In the battle between Russia and Ukraine, Joe Altman and the guy who loves Donald Trump, they're on the side of Russia. And so is Peter Boyles and Tucker Carlson. Despicable. Russia's the bad guy in this situation, though. That, that's pretty, it's pretty clear. I mean, no, it's not. There have been videos. It's not clear. It's it has not. been pretty clear. What, what do you call it when someone invades an, uh, another country with no literal reason to do it, with no, with, with no justification? Max, not the good guy. Ukraine not is, the good guy is a deep state country that That's is tr- operating. That's true. All right, then great. Then I'll, I'll, I'll stand on the side of Russia right now. 100% That's two times good. on Sunday. What? That's not good. Why? You want me to stand with Biden? Hold on a second. Country. You want me you to, have stand to stand with, with Biden to say oh what Russia's doing is bad? What they're doing is bad. Yes, they're the bad guys here. Okay. T- <laughs> okay. Yes. I'm with Russia. I'm with Russia, okay. and here's and here's why. You could say invading a country. Ukraine has been the epicenter of destroying nations across the globe. So you got an entire country that is run by thugs that has been used as a proxy for people like Obama, Obama, and Susan Rice and everyone else. And you want me to say that Russia's the bad guy? I won't do it. We need to face up to some realities. Putin is the head of the Russian Orthodox Church. He's rebuilt it. It's got historic ties to Ukraine. Part of this is religious. 
and Laura Ingram on Thursday night talked about the churches, such beautiful churches in Ukraine. Are they being bombed? She asked the foreign correspondent. Oh, my God, what if the churches get bombed? But Putin's not going to target those churches. He wants them. He wants to walk down the street and go into one of those, sort of like Trump did when he walked over to that church. It needs to remain intact. And when the churches are spared the bombardment, Laura Ingram will say, look at this good man. He's a protector of Christendom, as opposed to these heathens. That little Jew who gave a a pathetic disgrace of a speech Everybody else praised that speech, but Laura Ingram with big cross around her neck, Putin wears cross around his neck. What side is she on? I think it's the side of Lauren Witzke, a Delaware GOP candidate for Senate coming up. Or no, she was in 2020. Major Republican out of Delaware has nothing but praise for Putin and his Christian nationalist nation. She identifies more with Putin's Christian values than she does with Joe Biden. And certainly that little Jewish comic, Zelensky, what's he like, a John Stewart type? Get rid of those people. Here's the deal also. You know, Russia is uh, a... Christian nationalist nation. They're actually Orthodox Christian. I'm mm. Russian Orthodox. So, you know, I actually support Putin's right to protect his people and always put his people first, but also protect their Christian values. I identify more with Russian, uh, with Putin's Christian values than I do with Joe Biden. Uh, so, you know, like there is that, you know, that there there is that there. And, you know, Christian nationalist countries also are a threat to the global uh, regime, like the Luciferian regime. It wants to mash everything together. But Putin takes care of his people. He looks out for his people. I watched as he deported, like they literally walked them through the streets, the criminal illegals who were coming into their country. Yeah. They walked them out and they escorted them out and they said, get out. You know, I can respect that. I can respect that. And I can respect the fact that uh, Putin does everything he can to protect uh, his people. Now, who is the worst offender in that group? Boyles, Carlson, Ingram, Bannon, Flynn. We could go on. Dinesh D'Souza just tweeted that he's rooting for Russia. But it's the big guy. It's their leader. It's Donald Trump, who said this in Mar-a-Lago to a bunch of people who probably paid a lot to be there at a political dinner His old doctor, Ronnie Jackson, total sellout from Texas, was there probably raising money. And Donald Trump takes the microphone and he lauds his pal, Vladimir Putin. Trump said Putin's smart. I mean, he's taken over a country for $2 worth of sanctions. I'd say that's pretty smart. He's he's taking over a country, really a vast, vast location, a great piece of land with a lot of people and just walking right in. This would have never happened, ever in a million years, would have never happened. And I know him very well. I know him probably almost as well as I know anybody in this room other than Dr. Ronnie. But let's keep it local. Peter Boyles is really proving his character now. He is sniping at the likes of George Brockler and Dan Kaplis, talking about them being monkeys and idiots who have radio talk shows. He won't say the names. He talks about idiots with radio talk shows. Now, who who is he listening to? 
Who is more aggressively against Putin? Well, that would be Dan and George. So when is that battle going to come? When are these guys going to stand up to Peter Boyles and call him out on his chicken shit fighting, talking about chicken shits? You got to look at a guy who's in his upper 70s, maybe he's 80 now, but he was prime age for Vietnam. George Brockler said, hey, let's do a Peter Boyle's bio. You're such an interesting guy. Ask him about Vietnam. Ask him about his friendship with Pat Buchanan, who started this white power, isolationist, bigoted movement. We should have stayed out of World War II. Friday morning, Boyles was praising the likes of Charles Lindbergh. How much more does he have to tell you before you realize who this guy is? And he's the leader of Denver Trump Radio. And this is wartime, folks. And I'm a little worked up. Here's Peter Boyles, who is definitely starting to get cognitively impaired as he keeps belittling Joe Biden for getting older and showing it a little. Talk about the pot calling the kettle black. He cannot even spit out a sentence. I'm saying he flubs three out of four sentences. This guy is a court reporter's nightmare. There are no complete sentences. There is no sentence structure. But he knows that he wants to call Joe Biden a name. Remember last week when I played the sound of Peter Boyles crying about listeners who were texting him, calling him bad names when he took on Donald Trump? But now he's back to his name calling. And here, this one little snippet gives you an example of Peter Boyle's cognitive impairment and how he's going to take this Russia-Ukraine war and just blame it all on crazy Joe Biden. Sleepy Joe, every name he has for people. He's back to the name-calling, and he's back to liking Donald Trump. He praised him this morning. Hey, he wouldn't have gotten us in this war. Yeah, because he's partners with Putin. They have a dirty deal, and maybe part of that deal is I'm going to mess things up to the point that Joe Biden and the Dems are blamed for everything, and you will get back in power, and oh, what a fun time we will have together then. With the aid of Peter Boyles, who no matter how old he gets still, goes back to that isolationism, loving Buchanan, loving Lindbergh, hating on Joe Biden, well, the front burner issue is the Soviets. I said that again. The Russians cross, Soviets cross. Ukraine is now in a war and watching a lot of television, the Internet and some coming into work talk radio, the drumbeat for war, the, the cry of the hawk. And my reaction is cringing and saying, please stay out of this one. Uh, it has come down on the uh, on the Internet this morning on the wire that Joe Biden is going to address the nation. And I got this running gag with myself, so... Well, I hope you enjoyed this edition of Right Wing Media Watch. There's so much material. These are stark times. Media matters. Words matter. If you listen to Holocaust survivors, they will say words are everything, and they precede the violence. 
Allen Berg was murdered on the streets of Denver by anti-Semites. I pray that President Zelensky isn't assassinated before my next podcast. Let's join in this prayer as this airs on Shabbat. Odessa's synagogues, Ukrainian synagogues being emptied because the Russians are coming. Can you imagine a modern European capital and some American thought leaders are with Russia? Is it a white-powered thing? Is it a Christian thing? What's going on here? This is serious. We need to talk about it. And we are. Thanks for listening. Michael Bailey, a friend, a lawyer, a sponsor. Tell everybody how you bring peace of mind to their life. So by setting up your estate plan, you know what's going to happen to your stuff when you die. You know where it's going to go. You know who's going to get it. We've got everything in place so we're not running to a court to try to get guardianship and conservatorship as quickly as possible. But then it's an orderly proceeding of things. So, you know, there's already enough chaos with the medical emergency, but the legal part of it and who can make decisions is all outlined. It's all set up. So there's, it's like the the smooth transition of power. That's cool because you can avoid so many problems by having a medical power of attorney and discussing it with a smart guy like Michael Bailey, because who should have this? It's probably somebody close. Who do you trust most among your children to make that call? These are the hard and good questions that you ask every day, right, Michael? Right. And if you ask them beforehand, when you're not in the middle of a crisis, then when a crisis hits, we're not trying to do crisis management and medical emergency and everything else. We're going, okay, we've got a smooth transition of power here. We've got a smooth who's in charge, and we can have that all flow so that we can focus on the care. There are so many things in life that you can fill out a form and save yourself money, save yourself heartache. Some people die out of nowhere quickly, but more often you get sick, you have medical difficulties, so it all goes together. But your system works, it works beautifully. What is the best way to contact you these days? Best way, uh, you can give me a call. My phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. Or you can go online to michaelbaileylawllc.com. And there is a an appointment page on my website that you can use. So either way is fine. Thanks, Michael. Hello, Troubadour. Hi, Craig. How are you? I'm okay, sort of feeling the weight of the world more than usual because the world is jacked up. What do you think about it, Mr. Oblivious? No, who can be oblivious now? It's frightening. It is. I just showed you an image of a Russian tank just crushing a family sedan that was trying to drive in Ukraine, probably trying to get out of Dodge. What a horrible situation And it's all going to be covered live on television. This is really something. Yeah, it's really upsetting. And it's, uh, I mean, when we're recording, as we record, it's it's just minute by minute, I guess, as far as, you know, the extent of this invasion. Well, let's use our wisdom to try to analyze it because it comes down to a couple of men. I'm thinking of Vladimir Putin. He's a lawyer. He's a Christian wants to revive the Russian Orthodox Church. He's a dictator. 
I think he heads up the Russian church, the Russian mafia, and he's reputed to be the richest guy in the world. Plus, he's older than us. He's he's uh, in that 70 range, and he's divorced. I wonder what's going through his head. What do you think? The whole world's wondering what's going through his head. I mean, as far as this invasion, I didn't think he was going to do it. Um, and the only logic behind it for me is based on two things that, that uh, I think he that might be involved. And one is his vanity and, so, and the desire to, you know, to increase his power, his, his chokehold on that area. And the other is some kind of, um, you know, concept of Soviet manifest destiny. Correct. And it's almost like, uh, look, Ukraine was part of us. It was the home of the Russian Orthodox Church. And we can't really have a Russia without you. And uh, we don't care. The other thing that bothers him is democracy. Democracy that has yielded an overwhelmingly popular president, this Volodymyr Zelensky. He's a Jewish guy. And he was a comedian. And he came to power doing a television show that mocked autocrats and the kleptocracy. So Putin fears democracy, free speech, free press, and that's why Ukraine has to go. It's an insult to him. He's fighting against democracy. I really believe that. And obviously, Ukraine's not the only democracy over there. He wants Europe. And I, I, I see his accomplices here in America, and that's what makes this such a dire situation. I said several people, Donald Trump, he is supporting Putin. So are a lot of Republicans. So are a lot of conservatives. Meanwhile, they put down Joe Biden every way they can. All the feeble, weak, corrupt. And they don't back him. They don't give him a chance when I think he's doing the best he can. And he's got to keep the free world together. But in the background, America's not together. No, it's very angering when I hear when I hear what what uh, what Trump says about Putin. I mean, it's it's just uh, I don't know. I haven't been that upset for a while in terms of you know what Trump what Trump says and what his what his minions you know line up and believe. But as far as as far as Biden goes, you know this is a tough this is a tough road right now, and it would be nice if the country could unify behind him. I agree. You've got Fox News with Laura Ingram. She heard Volodymyr Zelensky's speech, which was the bravest thing ever. He's target number one. He may be assassinated even before this podcast airs. He says, I'm target number one. My family is target number two. And we're not going to leave. So this man has shown more courage than just about anybody I've witnessed lately. He gave a tremendous speech that Laura Ingram came on while she's interviewing Trump and said was a pathetic display. A pathetic display because he spoke in Russian too, trying to tell the Russian people, hey, this is what's going on. Right, I saw that. And for her to call it a pathetic display, I will never forgive Laura Ingram for that. No. And uh, the battle lines are being drawn. We could have World War Three and a civil war, and uh, that's a problem, don't you think? It's remains to be seen just just how imperialistic this uh, this whole move is going to be, and whether he is going to continue to roll on. It's it's scary, and it definitely has uh, echoes of you know of 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 Hitler and and his early forays into Austria and then beyond. 
Now, would you happen to have a song that addresses a situation where you have a problem? I have a song called Every Little Problem, Ain't Little Too Long. Our show is really featuring a pretty big problem that happened in Breckenridge. And you know this story because I shared it with you. I had to get Colorado Parks and Wildlife permission to play this podcast. Now everybody's heard it. You're a mountain man. What would you do if you encountered a moose? In fact, I think you have encountered moose. You, you give them wide berth is what you do. When did you have your moose encounter? Oh, it was years ago when uh, when I just met my wife and we were we were up in uh, Grand Lake and a moose was actually swimming towards us. We were sitting in this on this bench and uh, my wife was like, "We better move. He's going to make landfall where we are." And I was like, "No, no, no. He'll he'll see us and and swim down shore a little bit." And I was wrong. He came right up in front of us. The next thing I knew, all I saw was my wife's heels. <laughs> she oh, took boy. off, and I followed. Yes. I don't think I've had a moose encounter, but you know this Breckenridge story. You're an expert skier. Can you imagine a moose falling through a window well? Now that's a problem, and my nephew addressed every aspect of it. You're a pretty creative guy. Could you have done that? I, I have no idea what I, what I would do if there was a moose in my window well. I know. This is quite a story. And your song, it's about problems, but it's sung in that style you adopt a lot of times, which is jocular, humorous. What, what was the inspiration for this terrific song? Oh, uh, well, for my, I had, rather than a moose, my, my, uh, my character was a, an elephant, and the, the idea is there's a guy, he opens up his front door, an elephant comes in and, and uh, goes to sleep on, his, on the upper uh, bunk of his bed, and uh, it, it's sagging with weight. Well, it's, it's, a, it's an allegory for his, his trouble, his guilt, his worries. I got it. An elephant in the room. It's incredible how it fits the Breckenridge moose story, but um, you talk about other animals in there. Do you realize that? Um, I'm offhand. I haven't listened to it for a while, Craig. You'll have to remind me. You you talked toward the end about pulling your head from the sand. Right. Ostrich-like. It's yes. ostrich-like. Yeah. You're yeah. mixing your metaphors. But yeah. it's great, and I love the music. I think this song has the most fiddling of any song I've ever heard from our troubadour, Dave Gunders. Right. It's It's got that fiddling lick, that, that, that motif that goes through it. Was that you or no? Who? Oh no, no, I'm not a fiddler. No, no, no. That was uh, that was Johnny Neal who does all the fiddling on my on my songs. You kind of take that nice, wise, funny tone with this song, but it's got a serious message. What is it, Troubadour? Face your problems. They're just going to get worse if you don't. What a perfect song for a great show, starring my nephew J.K., my good friend Troubadour Dave Gunders. Listen to this. Every little problem. Thanks, Troubadour. Thanks. Late last night, I hear the doorbell ring. I peer outside, I don't see nothing. Scratch my head and open the door. Elephant sitting on my front porch, kind of strange. Hear 
every little problem Ain't little too long I said you must be crazy or I'm still drunk He said make room man I like the upper bunk I'm crying no way man gonna break my bed I seen a heavy things running through your head He's right Every little problem Ain't little too long Every little problem Ain't little too long Now I hear him snoring in the bunk above I lie here sweating and I pray for luck Cause I got me an elephant he won't leave There's a ton of things weighing down on me Let's go! Every little problem Ain't little too long Every little problem Ain't little too long He's here in the daytime He's up in the nighttime His problem is on my See now I understand Gonna pull my head up from the sand Gonna drop everything, gonna get on the stick And face every little problem for it gets too big Let's go Every little problem Ain't little too long Hey, I told you it would be a great show, and I think it was. Mazel tov to Jake K., who is a tremendous person, and I'm so proud to be his uncle. Thanks to Dave Gunders. He is our troubadour. And then we have a world that's in crisis. We'll be back next Saturday. I also want to give a shout-out to my new relative, Audrey. Audrey K., what a weekend this is for my family. J.K. and Audrey are getting married Saturday, February 26, 2022. This episode is for you, nephew. 
and for you, Colorado. And let me say Shabbat Shalom to Colorado, Ukraine, but not to Vladimir Putin, who's a very bad guy. Until next time, thank you. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.